kind of this season series has been more of me sharing. I, I mean, I'll get into preaching a little bit, but it's really sharing with you. And so um, as I did last week, actually, I want to start with a, a story of meeting with God because we've been talking awakening, revival, you know, whatever language we use at the heart of it, it's meeting with God. It, it's God showing up. It's people encountering God and their lives being transformed. How many of you, how many of you have actually got to see that new film that came out, Jesus Awakening? We've been talking about it. Okay, just a few of us, not, not too many. I want to I really encourage you in it because, you know, there's films that are released that God's really on. And this one, uh, it, it, was, it was really, I, I actually, I've been talking about going to see it, but things have been so busy around here. I actually got, didn't get to go see it until uh, Friday night. And because uh, our youth, uh, so Limitless Youth Ministries did a, a youth night, kind of end of March break, and they all went to watch the movie. And, and so I, I told my daughter, because she was going, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come too. And she's like, oh, dad, you can't come. You know, she was, and I said, listen, I'm going to drive you in from Oakville. I'm coming to the movie. I'm like, I may not sit with you, but I will, I'll give you your space. You can hang out with your friends, hang out with the youth leaders. But I'm like, I want to see the movie. I'm going to not just sit outside the movie theater the whole time. I'm coming to the movie. And so what was really funny was, you know, there was a whole bunch of us parents that all dropped the kids off, right? So I was watching all the other parents drop the kids and left. So I'm like, okay, this is making me look bad because the rest of them, but I'm like, you know, we live farther. It's okay. Well, after the movie, the movie finishes, I come walking out of the theater. You know who else comes walking out of the theater? The rest of the parents, they snuck in, right? So literally, some of them did. One of them said, their daughter turned around and said, mom, what are you doing here? And so they said, we waited till it got dark and you know, it did. And then we snuck in the back and we sat in the back so we could watch the film. So anyways, I was kind of laughing about it. It was, it was funny, you know, the joys of parenting and uh, especially our game preteens and teens, you know, it can get a little interesting sometimes. But uh, anyways, I really encourage you uh, to, to see it. And, and I think we want to support films like this. But man, it, it really moved me. It really impacted me. And it was a number of things, some things that really touched me personally. Long story short, it's, it's a story around the Jesus Revolution, and, uh, and which was a move of God, late 60s, early 70s, came out of the hippie movement. And there was a gentleman named Chuck Smith who was a pastor of a church, and he just was really hungry for God was recognizing their church was not really impacting the next generation. And he connected with a hippie named Lonnie Frisbee who'd given his life to Jesus and was a very charismatic evangelist and speaker. And then it just exploded this whole movement. And, uh, and it was interesting, but part of the theme there was around it followed this young man and young lady who got involved and ultimately fell in love and got his, a gentleman named Greg Laurie, who you may be familiar with Greg Laurie, but he's actually a pastor in California now of a church of about 15,000. And he does big you know, evangelistic outreaches. and So it's just made a tremendous kingdom impact. So it kind of follows Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, and then Greg and, and uh, Greg Laurie and his wife Kathy. But she wasn't his wife at the time. So it's kind of you know, based on that story. But it's interesting because in the story, it showed him being with, uh, you know, coming from a single, single mom family. And part of one of the themes of the movie was his, you know, he, some things he found out about his father and his desire for his father. So I just give a little bit of context because somebody say it, but I actually just wanted to read this because I was doing a little bit of reading afterwards. And uh, it said this, the movie had so many powerful moments, but it left the lingering questions about Greg Laurie's family, especially about his adoptive father who was ripped out of his life during childhood. 
Well, many years later, he was able to track down Oscar Laurie, the man who'd been the one true earthly father to him. Uh, in a new video, Greg Laurie explains the stunning tale of what happened next. He was traveling to New York and had just discovered that Oscar Laurie lived in New Jersey. So he made contact and they made plans to meet up. So this is now the real life Greg Laurie story. Oscar invited Greg and his wife Kathy to come visit him with his new family. As they ate dinner together, Greg shared about the gospel. His father, a lawyer and an intellectual, listened intently but said little at that moment. He simply said, Greg, will you go walking with me in the morning? It turns out Oscar had experienced a heart attack two weeks earlier and had almost died. Part of his new health regime was to go walking early in the morning, so the two men went for an early walk at 6 a.m. That's when Oscar suddenly said, Greg, I listened very carefully to what you said last night about Jesus. And he said, I want to accept Jesus into my life right now. Greg was stunned. I said, Dad, let me go over it one more time, he recalls. And after he explained the gospel again, Oscar continued, yes, I want to accept Jesus Christ right now. What do I need to do? When Greg said they should pray together, Oscar immediately dropped to his knees right in the middle of the park. So Greg joined him on his knees too and led him in a prayer of salvation. It was incredible, one of the most amazing conversions I've ever seen, Greg says. But that wasn't the end of their amazing moment together. Oscar asked Greg to pray that God would heal his physical heart too. I said, I don't know if God will heal your heart, but we can pray, Greg recalls. After he prayed, Oscar, full of faith, said, Greg, my doctor's not far from here. His office is right over here. Let's go see him. I want to tell him my heart is healed. Greg said, I, Dad, we don't know if your heart's healed. He said, well, let's go see my doctor. He replies, Oscar then told the doctor, this is my son, Greg, from California. He's a preacher, and I just prayed and asked God to come into my life, and my heart is healed. The doctor was doubtful about his physical healing, but he ran tests on his father, and the heart condition was indeed miraculously gone. Oscar's heart was truly healed. Greg was able to have a relationship with his father for 15 more years. Oscar grew in his faith, became, uh, worked with the Gideons, distributing Bibles, and became an elder in his church. Just one more amazing things I've ever seen, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen Greg recalls. In the movie, you see Greg longing for his father. In real life, Greg found his father. And uh, again, I just, I love these stories and I want to bring them to you because meetings with God can happen in so many different ways. Meetings with God can, can be these, these kind of really incredible spiritual experiences or they can be, again, we've talked about that still small voice. Our, our job is not to define what a meeting with God for us is going to look like. Our job is just to be hungry for it. Our job is just to be open. Our job is to, to just put ourselves in a place to meet with God, but also to believe for other people to meet with God. And, and I, I just, I love this. I, I love this story. And I thought, you know, and, and it'll probably connect a little bit more for those of you who have been able to see the movie because you kind of connect with that. But for all of us, it's just the power of meeting with God. So what we, what we did last week was we went to the scriptures and we took a look at uh, a passage where someone had an encounter, had a meeting with God. We were in the book of Isaiah. And we are in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah, you know, w- was in the throne room of God. And he was impacted by God. Today I want to I go to another place where someone had, the actual theological term for it is theophanies. Where they, they, they see God. They perceive God and, and God transforms their life. And so I actually want to go to the book of Revelation. And so we're going to spend some time today in Revelation chapter 1. Um, coming on my sabbatical in January and just 
part of my prayer for 2023, I've really been drawn to the book of Revelation more than I ever have before. I was really drawn to it. And, and so I think at different points this year, we'll be going into different parts of the book of Revelation. Again, we'll see. I kind of pray month to month. But, but um, you know, I, I think there's so much in this book. I know it can kind of freak some of us out sometimes. I know it's one of those books that sometimes we're like, what is going on here? I have no idea. Some of you are just like, oh my gosh, preach on Revelation all year, pastor. Like you just, it, it, it brings up so many different things. But I, I do feel when we're talking about a revelation of God, when we're talking about awakening, when we're talking about what God's doing, this book is so key for us in the days that we live in. And so let's just read Revelation 1 together. Um, and then we're just going to go back through and we're just going to talk through it. I, I'm not going to be able to pull everything that's packed in here out of there today. But there's some things I, I want to just us to focus on. And then I want us to go back before the Lord and pray and seek God a little more as a church. Revelation 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. The things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the death, dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp-edged, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. Write, therefore, the things you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's just go back through and let's talk through this passage because what I felt today was I felt just to, to walk through this passage a little bit. And if we're talking about awakening, we're talking about revival, we're talking about a revelation of God, we're talking about our hearts being awakened to him in a fresh and a real way. 
A, I think Revelation is packed with so much that we need to see and understand, but I believe there's so much even in this passage. I want to start right here in verse 1, where it starts talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think this is so key, it's so important. This is the first few words of this chapter, the first few words of this book, but it sets the tone for the chapter, it sets the tone for the entire book. Which the book of Revelation is first and foremost, above all else, a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of his person, it's a revelation of who he is, it's a revelation of what he's going to do, what he is all about. I think if you ask most Christians, you ask most of us, and we say, what is the book of Revelation? People would probably say something like, well, it's a revelation of the end times. It's a revelation of things that are going to happen. It's about the mark of the beast. It's about this. But actually, it says, first and foremost, before all that, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you want to know Jesus Christ in a deeper way, spend time in this book. Now, this is really applicable to the entire Bible because we understand theologically that the entire scripture, he is the living word. And everything in the Bible is about something, but it's also about him. But if we're talking about revelation, if we're talking about this heart for God, awakening, because that's really what awakening's about. It's meeting him, it's having a revelation of him. That's what changes you, that's what transforms you. Then that's what we're gonna find in this book. And that's the journey that we're on right now, family. I want to encourage you. It's having a heart for a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? That's the reason even we talk about, you know, this, the Jesus movement and Jesus, Jesus, right? It was about Jesus. It was about people meeting Jesus. It was about Jesus transforming lives. He is the center of everything. He's not just a side character. And so often, I know for myself, we can just kind of get used to life as Christians and it kind of just forms, but are we pursuing a revelation of Jesus Christ? You say, well, I've had a revelation. That's awesome, but do you know there's more? Do you know there's more that he wants you to have? Do you know there's more that he wants you to walk in? That's why Paul said, let's pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would have a revelation of who he is. And so part of my heart today is to inspire in you a deeper hunger for a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you walking in a revelation of him today? Or are you living off somebody else's revelation? Are you living off a revelation you had 20 years ago? Or is there a fresh revelation that you're living in now? Because that's where we're called to be. And so we see the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second thing I want you to see from this first part is it talks about, he says, made knows by saying his angel servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I think in this time, in this season, my heart's really stirred. That's a powerful phrase right there. He bore witness to the word of God. That we would prioritize the word of God in our lives. That we would prioritize the word of God. I think there's such a battle over the word of God right now. There's such a battle over this, but John was talking about bearing witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. God is calling you deeper in the word in this season. God's calling you deeper in the scriptures. This is so important because sometimes when we talk about revelation, we talk about encountering God, somewhere along the way, some people think they kind of get off the scriptures or off the word, and yet that's the primary way that God does it. That's the foundation. There's so many different things, but it starts with the word. The foundation is in the word. I was so encouraged this week. I had one of our church family members, and he's uh, 
he's a, you know, a younger believer, younger in the faith. And he actually messaged me because we messaged back and forth. He said, I think I heard God this week for like the first time. Like I really heard God. And I was so excited about that because that's what we're praying for, right? We're praying for meetings with God. But he had shared with me a little more and he shared how he was going through something, something was going on in his life and he just felt like I should do my devotions right now. I should go look in the Bible. He opened up his Bible and what he read spoke exactly to what he was walking through right now. Yeah, and it wasn't just kind of like one of those coincidences. He's like, like, God just talked to me. Right? God just spoke to me. God wants to speak to us through his word. This is, this is a season for revelation of Jesus Christ. But the foundation, he is the living word. Will we go into the word? Will we commit to the word of God? Will we go deeper? And I love this. It's the word of God and it's the testimony of Jesus. Again, this brings us back to the centrality. This is about Jesus. This is about walking in a revelation of him. We keep reading on here. I love this part too. It says in verse 3. It said, blessed are those, the one, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Oh, this is just power packed right there. I could preach my entire message on this phrase alone. We're actually going to unpack it a little bit more in connections this week. But let me just say this about it. There's blessing for those. And, and so first and foremost, this part is talking about, obviously, the book of Revelation, the prophetic but I think there's something even deeper in it when we talk about the word, where there's a blessing, there's an empowerment that comes who read the word. When we read the word aloud, there's something about speaking and declaring God's word. Blessed are those who hear and who keep it. This is a season to be in the word. This is a season to be speaking the word of God. This is a season to hear, and it's interesting because hearing is not just referring to, there's, you know, like, there's a difference between hearing somebody and hearing somebody. You know what I mean? Like, there's an element of hearing where it's like, okay, did you hear me? Like, maybe I heard you, but did you really hear and take in what I was saying? That's why Jesus talks a lot about the importance of your hearing. He's not just talking about that you actually, something registered with you, oh, somebody's saying something, but you actually really listen, you really pay attention. And so in the season that God's calling us, and there's this, the reading of the word, there's the declaring, the speaking out loud of the word of God. There's hearing the word, but then there's keeping the word. Everybody say, keep the word. Sometimes that's where we fall off the tracks, isn't it? We hear it, we say it, but are we keeping it? Are we living it? Is this impacting our lifestyle? Is this impacting our everyday? If there ever was a time for us to make sure we're not just talking the talk, but we're walking the walk, this is the days that we're in. But that also positions you for revelation. It positions you for awakening. It positions you for revival because God's looking for those who will keep his word. God's looking for those who will follow him. And I love this last part. It says, for the time is near. Guys, the time is near. You say, well, when is it going to be? I don't know when it's going to be, but I do know it's near. I knew there's some things that God is stirring. There's some things that God is doing. So people who, in this season for awakening, in this season for revival, what God's doing is people who understand the time is near. There's an urgency in our spirit. I remember hearing uh, some of the guys out of IHOP, International House of Prayer. I remember I was in a, I don't remember where it was. I was in some kind of prayer seminar they're doing. And they said, if you want people to grow in prayer, don't just teach them about prayer. 
And I understood, because you think, okay, I want to go deeper in prayer. We're just going to teach about prayer. They said, that's not the answer. They said, get people to go deeper in intimacy with God and get people to go deeper in urgency, understanding the times that we're in. And if you have people who are growing in intimacy and urgency, you'll have people who will be drawn to prayer. And I found so many times, okay, guys, we need to pray more. And most of us kind of nod and smile and go, yes, but, but the question really is, if we're really honest, why? Well, see, if we're growing in intimacy and we want to be closer to God, we want to see Jesus in a fresh way, right? We want that revelation. And we're also growing in urgency. We understand the time is near. We understand that, that, that we're living in, in, in very unique days. But there's an urgency about what God wants to do right now. There's an urgency about what's happening in the world around us. It brings us to a place of prayer. My prayer for you today, my prayer for me is will we allow God to grow us deeper in intimacy but also in urgency. That you would grow in urgency. We would not be dull. We would not be diluted by all that goes around us. Um, oh, I don't have the verse reference right now but I remember reading a really good devotional from Rick Renner where Val talks about uh, do not be slothful. I think it's the one that says, do not be slothful, but through faith and patience inherit the promises. And Rick Renner, he's a, a Bible scholar, he, he wrote in the devotional, he said, God told him, Rick, I want to deal with you about slothfulness. And he said he was really hurt, because he immediately thought of laziness. And he thought, Lord, I'm not lazy. He's like, I pastor, I minister, look at all the books I've written, look at all the articles I've done, I've worked hard for your kingdom. And he was really like, kind of hurt that the Lord would tell him, you need to stop being lazy. The Lord said, well, that's not what slothful means. I didn't call you lazy. I said you were being slothful. So he said he started to do a study in the word. And forgive me, I don't have this reference, so I didn't pull up the exact language. But slothful means to have lost momentum. To lost spiritual fervor. To lose spiritual momentum. And he said that resonated with him. Because maybe for many of us in here today, if we been faithful to God, we're diligent, but if we're honest, the fire is not there. The momentum isn't there of what God's stirring and what God's doing. And God says, I want to stir that up in you again. But it comes through intimacy. It comes through urgency. Let's look a little further in this passage. We're going to move into the next section, verses four to eight. Um, it talks about Jesus Christ. I love this. First and foremost, it talks about Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. God's been talking to me a lot this, this year about being a faithful witness. What, what's a faithful witness? Well, first and foremost, let's look at what a witness is. A witness is someone who talks about something they've seen or heard. If you're in a court case, you bring a witness. What are they supposed to do? They're not just going to tell you a story. They're, you bring a witness because they witnessed something. They experienced something, and then they have to share about it, but it's, what's, it's the truth that they, they lived out and they experienced, the truth that they saw and now they share, but that's a witness. And it's talking about being a faithful witness. I love it because Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. But in essence of that, we understand as well the call for us to be faithful witnesses. We live in a day, guys, and it's going to continue to increase where there is pressure and opposition that comes to try and get you to let go of being a faithful witness. Because a faithful witness tells what is true, whether it's popular or not. 
A faithful witness tells what is true, whether they are going to be rewarded or whether they're going to be penalized. That's why you have to be a faithful witness. Jesus was and is a faithful witness. That means you can trust on him to speak the truth no matter what. And I believe that God is part of the awakening he's doing is he's raising up faithful witnesses. But I love this because it doesn't start saying you and I need to be faithful witnesses. It starts saying Jesus is the faithful witness. And then in him and as we walk with him, we now become like him and we become faithful witnesses too. But the power to be a faithful witness is not found in you or in me. The power to be a faithful witness is found in him. And the more we walk with him, the more we receive that power to be faithful witnesses. But God's calling and raising us up as faithful witness. I love the second part. It says, not as Jesus Christ the faithful witness, but Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. So there's so much that we can unpackage here, but it talks about literally the reality of being born again. Jesus became sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. It says he is the firstborn of the dead. What? Firstborn from the dead. So if there's a firstborn, what does that mean? That means there has to be a secondborn, doesn't there? And a third born, and a fourth born, and a fifth born, and it can go on. See, in John 3, 16, he was God's only begotten son. But because he went to the cross, he died and he rose again. He now became the firstborn of one past said of many brethren. In other words, he opened eternal life to you and to me. And so there's this element of part of what God's awakening is the reality that we have been, the, the, the born again reality, the born again, that we've been born again, that we've been saved, that we've been delivered, that we've been set free. And so we see that with a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and it says Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of the earth. This reminds us of his lordship. We talked about this last week. I'm not going to go too far down this path today. But the importance of remembering this season, the, the greatness of God, the fear of the Lord, and the lordship of Jesus in your life. I want to just ask you again this morning, is Jesus just your savior, or is he your lord today? Savior is about what he does for you and me. And I'm thankful for it. We're not taken away from that at all. But lordship is now about how we yield our lives to him. Too many believers have received salvation, but they've never walked out lordship. They get stuck. And, and God loves you. You'll still go to heaven because you've received the gift of salvation. But you are not going to live out the life he's called you to here. You are not going to receive the heavenly rewards that he wants you to receive if you do not embrace lordship in your life. And that's part of what this season is about. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that you're, you're, you could be a lot of places. You still could be in bed sleeping. I know some of you wish you were still in bed sleeping, but it's okay. Just smile. Nobody around you will know. I'm not at least offended. Some Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. service, I wish I was still in bed sleeping. Not because I don't like being here, but it's been a long week and I'm tired. But I'm here because I've just, but it's, it's, I don't want you just coming and kind of going through the motions of service. You are called to the Lordship of Jesus. You are called to live out his purposes. You are called to follow him every single day to be led by the Spirit. You are called to so much more. If your Christianity is boring it's because you're doing it wrong you are called to this life of faith this life of adventure this life of stepping out what God has for you it's not always going to be easy some days it's going to be hard and difficult but it's the best kind of life you can live but that's the kind of life when you recognize Jesus is my Lord he's not just my homeboy he's not just somebody who saves me gets me a get out of hell free card and then I just live my life the way I want when I learn to submit to him and I learn to live the way he's called me to that's when everything comes alive 
That's what it's about. It's about receiving him as the faithful witness, receiving him as the firstborn of the dead, receiving him as the ruler of the kings of the earth. And I love this a little bit more of this passage and we're going to jump to the next section. It says, to him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood. Do you have the joy of your salvation today? That's something I've been praying into and working on. Today is a good day because you're saved. They might have some challenges in your life right now, but you're saved. You know Jesus. Right? Money might not be where you want to be right now, but you've got this eternal wealth. You're saved. You know Jesus. There might be some circumstances in your life that are not going quite the way you want to go, but you woke up this morning with your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You woke up this morning with an inheritance in heaven. You woke up this morning with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and we need to learn to celebrate that, to remember that God loves us, to remember that he freed us from our sins by his blood. That already makes it a good day. And then the Bible says this, he loved us. If he gave us his son, why would he not freely give us everything else? So even if we're facing some challenges, we've got hope in our hearts because we've got Jesus. But see, so often we don't live in that place. We, just get, we get deceived and we get thrown around by stuff. But bring it back today. Are you thankful for his love today? Are you thankful for freedom? It's one reason why I love encounters so much because encounters are a great place. They're not like the magic fix it all, but they're a great place to go deeper in the freedom for which Christ sets you free. But you've been set free by him today. That's his heart. That's who he is. He loves us. He freed us from his sins by his blood. By his blood, he paid a price. He paid a very steep price for you and me. So it talks about the blood. It talks about the price he paid. He literally gave his blood. He gave everything. He gave the very life of who he was for you and for me. That's how much he loves us. Right, this is the one. See so, see, so part of this, remember, we're talking about a revelation of Jesus. All of this has been about Jesus. And then it's how we live in response. The more I have a revelation of Jesus, the faithful witness, the more of a faithful witness I will be. The more I have a revelation of Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, the more I'll live in the reality of being a born-again believer. The more I have a revelation that Jesus is the king and the ruler of the, he is the king of the rulers of the earth, that, that when, I, when I understand that, guys, it changes the way I live. It all starts with revelation of Jesus. But how many of us are living off someone else's revelation? We're living off an old revelation. Well, 20 years ago, I had a revelation of Jesus. I'm so thankful, and it's amazing to me because a 20-year-old revelation can still carry you forward. But Jesus wants you to know him today. Jesus wants you to press in for fresh revelation today. It's one of the reasons it's a prophetic picture why manna was supposed to be picked up every day by the children of Israel. God could have given them manna for the month. I mean, it would have been more efficient, right? I would have thought, Lord, if you just give us enough manna for the month and make it last long enough, I only have to go once a month instead of going out every single day. But he was trying to teach us, no, I want you to learn to learn, lean in for fresh manna. I want you to learn. That's part of a life of faith. See, a life of faith, we struggle with a life of faith so often I'm talking to somebody this morning because we want to be in control. We want to have the five-year plan laid out for us. We want to have everything well in advance. And God says, no, I'm teaching you to trust me day by day. I'm teaching you. Sometimes I say, God, you said to do this. I don't know where the money is. He said, well, you don't need the money yet. 
I'm like, yeah, but it's just so much easier when the money's here now because then I don't have to live by faith. And God goes, exactly. Right? He's like, are you trusting me? Well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Are you walking by faith? Well, I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. Are you walking by faith? Are you getting the daily manna? Are you pressing in for the fresh revelation of who Jesus is today? As soon as God loves us so much, as soon as we think we got this figured out and formalized, he'll just change it on us. Because it's relationship and faith. It's not formula. God's calling somebody deeper in faith today. And then some of us, God calls us, we go, God, just take me deeper. God's like, okay, let's walk by faith. God, what's going on? This is so hard. I don't know what's happening here. I'm out of control. And we just start like, God, oh, it's just like, oh, we just like freak out. And God's like, this is what you asked me for. I mean, he must laugh at us sometimes. I know God laughs at me sometimes because, I mean, a good-natured father laugh, you know? But sometimes we're, God, take me deeper. God, stretch me, right? Refiner's fire. <laughs> My heart wants desire. God's like, okay, here comes some fire. Like, ah, it burns. It's hard. This is difficult. What are you doing to me, God? And he's like, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. He's like, Jesus, what? they pray for it. We answer their prayer. They get mad. I don't know what to do here. And I know it's none of you here. It's me, right? And other people maybe watch online. Nobody else here. But it's this revelation. And I love this because it finishes, this section finishes with this part. Behold, he is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. And all the tribes of the world will wail on account of him. There's a day that Jesus is coming back. And every eye will see him. Every eye. And, and there's a sobering part to this passage because the tribes of the earth will wail on the account of him. See, part of seeking a revelation of Jesus is, is making sure we go to the scriptures and say, Jesus, I want to know all of what you're about. I'm really thankful for a revelation of the love of God. We needed it. You know, it, we need that Father's love. It's foundational. But we also need the fear of the Lord, guys. And Jesus is not coming back to give everybody a hug. He'll give you a hug if you're following him. But he's coming back with eyes like fire. And a sword coming from his mouth. To rule the nations. That's not necessarily fits the just loves everybody narrative, but that's part of who he is. Now, it is a manifestation of his love, but we sometimes, again, what we do is we take love and then we, we, we filter it through a 2023 Canadian Western version of what love looks like instead of saying, God, you define love for me. You define what this looks like. He's coming back. That's one of the reasons why you want to stay a faithful witness. Sound you, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to sell out because it's hard or maybe some people don't like me or maybe even I do have to pay a bigger price. But then Jesus returns and I realize, like Peter, I just denied him three times. Realizing that Judas, I just sold out the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for 60 pieces of silver. Right, that we, 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 but see, being a faithful witness, living this out comes from a revelation of Jesus that's real. You can't do it off a 20-year-old revelation. You can't do it off your mom's revelation. You can't do it off somebody else's. It's you pressing in for this revelation, but he's coming back. 
A few more things, and then we're going to go to prayer. Uh, the next section. Um, I think we're talking, we're talking today about revelation of Jesus. Um, but I just, I, as John said, I, John, your brother. I just, I, I felt to remind us we're family in God. We're called to be family. We're called to love one another as family. There's something, I remember hearing a friend, a friend, he was starting a worship service, uh, Luke Weaver. Some of you know Luke. He's a really great worship leader. And I, this always stuck with me. He got up and said, okay, we're going to worship. He said, are you guys ready to worship God? We're all like, yeah, we're ready to worship God. He said, but first we're going to do something first. He said, I want you to turn around and I want you to love one another. He said, I want you just to greet each other, maybe pray for somebody, give somebody a hug, tell somebody something you love about them. And we all, we, you know, we all, most of us knew each other, so we just started doing that. We took like three or four minutes. And for like an introvert like me, I'm like, oh, this is kind of awkward. I just want to worship God. <laughs> right? I'm just like, I just, but he finished and he said to us all, he said, can you feel that now? And I thought, man, the presence of God just increased. Like there's this greater awareness, this greater sense of his presence here. And it didn't come just because we worship, because we're about to worship. It came because we loved one another. We were family. That's why in a lot of churches, one of the enemy's main attacks against us is to get us angry at each other, holding bitterness, holding unforgiveness. I'm going to sit on that side of the church because that person's over there. This is happening. That's happening. And, and that's natural in the world because we're all people and everyone, we're going to get crosswise with each other and so on. But there's something about loving one another, pushing through that, walking in forgiveness. Because when we hold on to those things, actually, and we come to worship God, and God's going, okay, you want to worship me? But you're holding this against you know, the bossage. If you're going to come, bring your gift to the altar first. Go to your brother, make it right. How often in churches are we limiting what God wants to do because we don't love one another? We don't love each other. We hold on to things, guys. So I'm your brother. So there's this element of family. John. He also said, "I'm your partner in tribulation." Um, you know, this is not kind of like the topic that you know, like. Everybody, this is like the popular topic to preach about. I don't remember seeing a conference about, you know, tribulations in the kingdom, you know. But you know what? What's a tribulation? Tribulation is trouble, pressure, challenges. And if we're real, we all face those. Often we face them because we're following Jesus. We're in times where it's hard to be a Christian in the world we're in right now. It's challenging. There's a lot of battles. There's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of things, but when we're family, that's a key. When we have a revelation of Jesus, that's a key because Jesus is so beautiful and wonderful. It's like, yeah, okay, I face a little bit for this. It's like the best example I can think of right now is, I mean, I think about the love I have for my wife. So if, I, if I'm going to face some problems because of my relationship with my wife, I, I mean, I don't know, just whatever could come up. I'm like, okay, well, that's hard, but... I mean, I love her. It's just, it is what it is. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to be with her. I'm, I'm glad for the life that we have together. It, see, there's this relationship with Jesus. But see, when your relationship is real, you, you, you face tribulation. You don't, have you noticed, and some of us, I, well, all of us have done this sometimes. We're good following God. And then we go through a trial or a tribulation and we just like totally fall off. Right? Because it's like, or... Or church hurt. 
Right? Like church hurt's a real thing. And I'll say, if you're sitting here and you've been through some church hurt, even as a church leader, I apologize to you. I mean, it wasn't me, hopefully. But, you know, ask because with that, but, but, but I sit there sometimes. Can I just be honest with you guys? And someone's like just totally walking away from God. I'm going, but Jesus didn't do that. Yeah, it was, it was a messed up situation, but that wasn't Jesus. So if you were following Jesus, you're living in the revelation of Jesus. Why are you leaving Jesus? Because of what some imperfect person who maybe says they fall him, but don't even fall him did. Right? Now, I know that's, that's kind of there. But, but there's this element of, there, there's going to be tribulations sometimes. There's going to be battles. There's going to be challenges. I mean, what do you think God gave you armor for? To march around and look pretty? Look at my breastplate of righteousness. See how shiny it is. Look at the way I decorated my helmet of salvation. Right? My shield of faith. Look at my shield of faith is nicer than your shield of faith. Let's compare shields of faith. You know, it's like, no, no, you got that stuff because you're supposed to be in battles. I want Christians who's got a breastplate of righteousness that's dented. It's got like slash marks on it. I want a shield of faith that's got a couple arrows stick out because that shows me you've been in the battle. Don't show me how pretty your sword of the spirit is. Show me your nicks in your sword of the spirit because you've been attacking the enemy. Right? It's like with this, but it's raising up a certain amount. But all this comes out of a revelation of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the living word, the sword of the spirit. Jesus is the gospel of peace. Jesus is the way, the truth, the belt of truth, and the life. Right? All of it comes from a revelation of Jesus in our lives. And when we have that, he's the faithful witness. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. We're with him. Then, yeah, it gets hard and it's difficult, but we got family to stand with us. And we have a relationship with Jesus that walks us through it and he leads us into victory but it's after this revelation of him I joined the brother I got to land this here I'm your partner in tribulation I was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus do you know what he just said there do you know why he was on Patmos he was on Patmos because they tried to kill him they put him Christian history tells us you know church tradition they tried to boil him in oil but it wouldn't work they literally tried to kill him. They tried to boil him. I mean, you talk about that. They're like, you, you, you're a Christian. We're going to kill you. They throw him in a pot. Oh, well, it doesn't work. You're like, what do you do now? So they did the best thing to do. They sent him away to an island of Patmos. But this was not like, this was not the vacation. John was not on vacation. Right? I'm here on a Caribbean island and having a revelation of Jesus. That's not what it was. This was a prison colony island that he'd been sent away to. Do you know that sometimes the greatest revelation of Jesus is going to come in the most difficult moments in your life? It's going to come when it's hard, but you've got to learn to run to him instead of running away from him. The problem that many of us may fall into is when it's hard, we run away from him and we miss out on the revelation of him that we needed to get right in the middle of that situation. Some of the greatest revelations I've ever received of Jesus was not when it was easy, but when it was hard, because he was right there with me, and I saw him with me, and it changed my life. But it was because John was faithful to the word and says, well, you got to set some things in your heart. Are you with Jesus even if it costs you? Are you going to be with Jesus even if it's difficult in this world? Because we've got this eternal reality. John was. I want to be too. Do you want to be too? 
but it comes out of a revelation. Because remember, this was John. Oh man, this is flowing now. Okay, I gotta watch myself. This was John. Remember, this is John who called himself, right? He's the guy who said he's the apostle that Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved. Right? I don't know if you ever thought that was so weird. I was like, John, this is not humble. Like, if one of the other disciples was writing about you, right? Like, maybe in Luke, oh, John, the disciple that Jesus loved. It's John. He was always like, oh, John. I mean, I'm sure some of the other disciples must have read his letter at first. been like, oh, my gosh, John. Like, really? (laughs) You know, everyone else, Peter, James, and the disciple that Jesus loved. Right, the disciple that Jesus loved. Oh, the disciple, I mean, he just kept calling, oh, I'm the disciple that Jesus, it's kind of like when Moses wrote about himself as the most humble man who ever walked on the face of the earth. Just like, Moses, I don't get this. But you understand he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's why it shows you humility is not necessarily putting yourself down. Humility is saying what God says about you. Right, that, that's a whole revelation in itself. But it's interesting because here's what I came to understand. You know why John did that? John was so committed to getting an abiding revelation of the love of Jesus that he even changed his name for himself. But here's what he'd tell you. If you stand here today, here's what he'd tell you. Yeah, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. He's like, but you are too. Because Jesus' love isn't ranked. Jesus' love is not ranked, and so he had this revelation. He tried to boil him in oil. He had this revelation. He was ready. I'm sure he was ready. He was like, okay, I'm going home to heaven. Then he got in the oil and said, okay, I guess I'm not. <laughs> right? It's just like, I'm not going home now. Okay, I'm going to Al Patmos. He could have, he could have, he could have uh, been depressed on Patmos. I've served God my whole life. I followed Jesus. I took care of Mary for God's sake. I mean, I took care of Jesus' mother because that's what Jesus said on the cross, right? Take care of my mother. And church history again tells us that actually Mary and John ended up in Ephesus with Timothy. And, and he was a great influence. He, he could have been all that, right? He could have been, I'm done. I'm just done with everything. This is just too hard. It's too difficult, Lord. This is where I end up at the end of my life. I serve you. I follow you. I give my tithes and offerings. I do everything. And now I end up on the Isle of Patmos. I'm finished. I'm done. That's it. I'm over. No, he goes and says, you know, he, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. He just gets one of the most powerful books ever written in the scriptures, a revelation of the end time. What are you going to do when it's hard? Are you going to whine and complain and give up? Or are you going to press in for maybe the greatest revelation God ever wants to release in your life? But it comes from the heart that says, okay, I'm loved. I'm received. I've got a revelation of Jesus. If worship team wants to come back and join me here. So that goes to verse 12. And I'm not going to preach this too much, but I want you to close your eyes right now. I'm going to read this. Because then he, he hears a voice. So he's in the spirit. Which I think there's so much to unpack in that phrase. I'm asking the Lord more, what does it mean to be in the spirit? And how can I be in the spirit? But I think there's a certain element that he's, he's worshiping. He's doing what we're doing here. He's giving attention to spiritual things. He's in the spirit on the Lord's day. Verse 12, and I, I want, I'm gonna read this. And I want you, because we're praying for a revelation of Jesus. And it's okay when the Bible describes Jesus, it's okay to picture him, to see him. 
And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one was like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. He goes on saying, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. There is so much when we talk about a revelation of Jesus. There is so much. I mean, I, I, in myself, just even as I'm speaking here today, I'm, I'm reading this, I'm going, man, I barely scratched the surface. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to see him. I want to know him. I want to, I want to have that revelation. There's a song that had come out, I think it was out of the IHOP movement, but just talked about, I want to see you rightly, Jesus. I want to see you rightly. I know your eyes are like flames of fire. I know your hair is white as wool. I know your voice sounds like many waters. Jesus, you're beautiful. And it's the heart that says, like that, I don't even know what to say to it, guys, but it's, it starts with a prayer that says, Jesus, I want to see you rightly. It starts with a daily prayer that says, give me a fresh revelation today. I want a revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. Awakening comes when we see him. Revival comes when we encounter him. These things come. It's not just kind of like some spiritual phenomenon. It, it comes as we know him, as we see him, as we walk in intimacy, as we walk in urgency, as we're people of prayer. But it's this heart that says, I want to see you. I want to know you. Verse 17, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died. Behold, I am forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. And I just want to finish with that, where he said, fear not. Because when you have a revelation of Jesus, fear evaporates. Yo, we've been talking about just the challenges of the day. And I've referenced some things in this message. There's something you can listen to. Oh, man, that sounds challenging. Oh, man, I don't know. But Jesus says, fear not. Fear not because I am with you. Fear not because I'm the living one. Fear not because I'm alive forevermore. Fear not because I've got the keys of death in Hades. So that's with the revelation of him. And so I just, I want to, I want to finish today. I want us to pray for fresh revelations of Jesus in our life. That this would be a place of a revelation of Jesus. That people, even when they come in, because there's so many people that God wants to bring in in the, in the coming days. And they need a revelation of Jesus. They don't need a religion. They don't need a nice worship service and nice programmings. They need a revelation of Jesus. Our, our next gens, our youth, our, our, our kids need a revelation of Jesus. We need a revelation of Jesus. And it starts with us asking, Jesus, I want this fresh revelation. I want to see you rightly. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you in my life. Isaiah, when he saw, behold, I, I lift my eyes, I, you know, and, and I saw the Lord seated on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It starts with seeing. 
It starts with seeing him. And so I just want to pray today. If your heart is to join me today, it's actually, let me just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you right now, just even as we're coming to the end of this time together. And Father, we've been worshiping and we've been praying and then we've been going to your word. We've been reading in Revelation about a revelation of Jesus. And I pray for every person here today, every person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray for a revelation of Jesus. You said that when we read these words aloud, we are blessed. When we hear these words, we are blessed. When we live according to these words, we are blessed. And God, that's what you said. That's not what we said. And so today, as we've read these words aloud, I thank you for blessing. God, as we've heard these words, I thank you for a blessing. God, as we go out and we live according to these words, we live with a heart for a revelation of Jesus. We live with a heart to be faithful witnesses. We live for a heart for lordship and the joy of our salvation. God, I thank you for revelation of Jesus flowing in the lives of every one of us. We want to see you. We want to know you in a deeper way. We want to walk with intimacy and with urgency in our lives. And so I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, God. Reveal Jesus today in a fresh way. Reveal Jesus in this season in a fresh way. Reveal Jesus on the upcoming woman's encounter in an incredible way. Reveal Jesus the upcoming men's encounter in an incredible way. When we gather for Easter in a few weeks and we have Good Friday services and Resurrection Sunday services, I pray that it will be about revealing Jesus and going deeper in Jesus. God, help us to see what we've not seen before. Help us to see you, Jesus, in your glory, to see you in your majesty, that you are not our homeboy, that you are not our genie in the sky that just gives us what we want and then forgives us and gives us that get out of hell free card but you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords you are the ruler of the nations of the earth and that you are coming back one day and i pray that this revelation of jesus will grow and explode in our hearts and our lives and so i just want to invite you today if you're with me where you're saying i want to grow in this revelation of jesus because it's a daily thing it's a continual thing it's an eternal thing i want to invite you just to stand where you are right now just as a sign of response to God and just raise your hands and we're going to take a moment to worship but what we're going to worship is we're asking for revelation of Jesus but remember I know sometimes we just read through Revelation, right? So your picture's gonna be okay. I need to hear this voice and turn around and see Jesus with his face like the sun shining. Maybe it happens or maybe you just read the Bible and it comes alive to you. Maybe it's that still small voice. Don't put it in a box of how the revelation comes. Just have a heart for the revelation and let God do it whatever way he wants to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you today. You are the Holy One. You are the living word. And just even as we've been preaching and now just praying and responding today, I pray even as we go from this place for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in our hearts that we will know you. We'll know the hope of your calling. That we will walk with a fresh revelation of Jesus and there will be awakening because we've got that faith for revelation. And so I just pray this blessing over every person in this place even as we've read the words today, as we've heard the words and now as we have an opportunity to go live out these words, I thank you for that blessing because the time is near. 
And so we thank you for this today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.